This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by PhotoBiz X. Today's guest is Nikki Boone from New Zealand. Her photography is absolutely amazing. It's stunning and it feels as though she's just been discovered by the world and things are, are absolutely going amazingly for her. I'm really about to have with me today and I've got to thank the Image Salon for bringing today's podcast episode to you. I'm going to tell you more about them later in the show. Usually I kick off these interviews with a big intro about the guests, but today I've got something different. I'm going to ask Nikki to read her artist statement, which you can find on her website. Nikki, are you good to go with this? Absolutely. I'm just going to stop blushing from your intro, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you take it away when you're ready. Okay. We live a simple life in rural New Zealand. My children are alternatively educated and live without TV or modern electronic devices. This is a lifestyle that may seem unconventional to some, but I'm here to celebrate the magical place I choose to live with my family. I document their days together in an environment full of nature and uninhibited play. My photograph is a physical record of their childhood, life as it is, the real, but also as a reflection of a childhood rooted deep in my own past, most sincere place of freedom, a childhood I now pass on to my own children. Although deeply personal, I believe that others will also connect to some aspect of their own childhood. I believe my children are right where they belong, covered in mud, running and living through nature. They belong here, wild and free, and earth-connected in a way where the landscape begins and their little souls end. That is so good. I was tingling when I read that, and that describes your work, like, down to a T. Is that how life is for you guys? Well, yes. I mean, my kids fight, and, you know, we do the average boring stuff. But largely speaking, yeah, I'm grateful every day for the fact that we're able to have a lifestyle like this. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I've got so many directions I want to take you in today's interview. But what I said in the early intro there was it feels to me as an outsider looking in that you were happily living this amazing life with your kids, letting them run through the dirt and get muddy and just documenting their life. And it feels now like you have been discovered. Is that the way it feels for you? It's a tricky one. I mean, I live rural in New Zealand, which is, you know, at the bottom of the world, a long way away from everywhere. So I don't know what it is to be discovered, but I still sit here every day and clean up after my kids and, you know, <laughs> make lunch and, dinner and do the washing. So my life hasn't changed. <laughs> but having said that, even though I'm still in the same place doing the same things every day, I have a lot more coming through my computer. So maybe I'll expect. <laughs> well, when I say you've been discovered, if I look back at your Instagram feed, All right. I, mean, I don't think you had an Instagram feed 13 weeks ago and now you have 15,000 followers. Yeah, I know. That's a bit crazy. I only started Instagram maybe a month ago because everyone was telling me that it's so much, it's better for images than it was on Facebook. And I was getting a bit sick of trolling through the rubbish. So I started it. But yeah, I don't quite know what that was all about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, your Facebook page is the same. I mean. Yeah, well, that started a few months ago. Yeah, when things went a bit crazy. (laughs) That's a learning experience. (laughs) Just an education for me on what social media is, what it can be, and yeah, it was nuts. So that that all happened. I think there were a couple of websites that picked up on it, and then, yeah, I guess everybody just saw something in it that would drive people to their feed or something. I don't know whether it was – I think half of it was about the photography, half of it was about the lifestyle, but there were a few websites that happened to pick up on it, and so it went a bit nuts. (laughs) It's just amazing. Like I said, I want to take you in a few different directions here, but can you take us back to before you decided to move – to the lifestyle that you're living now? Were you living a nine-to-five working mum type living beforehand? 
I was working. I'm a physiotherapist by trade. I did go back to work after our first child, and then we had our second, and she's got a bit of a history, so I couldn't go back to work after that. And for all sorts of reasons, everything went sort of a bit nuts here at home. And I guess like most mothers, they sort of have ups and downs. And I had a few more downs than ups and found a photography that just kept my head above water and the day-to-day goings of motherly life. And and it just it sort of went from there. But I think the photography as it stands now has come largely from our choices that we've made in education for our children. That's when it really came into our own because, yeah, it's an interesting one making decisions like we have. I mean, our homeschooling journey has been an interesting one, but right now anyway, we've come to a place where we're quite happy with them being a little more self-led with their education. And with that comes a whole pile of controversy. We had queries from family and friends and people we didn't even know on the street. Everybody seemed to have an opinion. So, I mean, even ourselves, we question ourselves constantly so the photography was just just that little bit where I could, in the evenings, re- reflect on what we'd done during the day and realise that we were okay <laughs> and they were okay. And it's, it's all kind of come from there, really, to be honest. Were you living on the farm when you decided to you know, take up photography and do the homeschooling thing, or did you move from suburbia out to the farm? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we've always lived in the country. God, God forbid I'd ever have my kids in town. We <laughs> 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 lived in the country, but due to my husband's job, we moved to this place from Nelson where the kids, our eldest was actually at school at a Rudolf Steiner school there. And we moved here knowing that we weren't going to put them into any school here. So yeah, I guess the thing, it just coincided. It wasn't necessarily moving onto the land. It was the education decision coincided with the move, which coincided with us buying a larger property so okay why homeschooling why make the decision to do that well it's an interesting one we knew when our eldest turned five that we didn't want um he wasn't ready for school we knew that but when you also knew legally he didn't have to be at school until he was six so we held off till six and then we found out that there was a Rudolf Steiner school where we lived and we knew that they didn't start their children at any formal education until the year they turned seven which suited us. So we were like, yep, great. That's <laughs> another year. <laughs> yeah, we rolled in there thinking that's got our butts covered for that long. And then we fell in, we f- absolutely fell in love with the Steiner philosophies and their principles and everything they stand for. And we adopted a lot of that in at home. So no TV, no computers. They don't have them at the school. So we just got rid of them in our house, living closer to the land, which we were doing already. So we adopted all that. But it was beautiful school. You know, they don't have a big emphasis on academics, et cetera, but it's still school. It was still school at the end of the day and we very much found that grades were important and we just couldn't deal with that very well and it's still the same you know we found that the survival there was still trying to fit in and it just didn't wash with us it just didn't work with us at all it wasn't a snap decision we researched and convinced ourselves we could back ourselves to do this and it sort of came about through that really it was a a slow process and then having moved here where there wasn't a Steiner school and that was just the clincher really. Were you into photography before you took the kids out of school and started homeschooling or was that something that developed after? Yes. Well, my photography's journey has been a bit of a long-winded one to be honest. I fell in love with photography after falling in love with a darkroom. I was over in Scotland doing my OE and it was a it was hideous. I somehow landed in Scotland in the middle of winter which was <laughs> pretty harrowing. It was dark and cold and I just came upon a darkroom course. So I did a darkroom course for a weekend, knowing nothing about photography and fell in love with, you know, the darkroom print. Oh, just that feeling of that first print was just incredible. And so then realized that 
I needed to learn how to take photos in order to create these prints. So it was kind of a back to front thing. And then I, yeah, then I acquired a camera and learned about photography in my OE. But then when I came back to New Zealand, there was no, I had no darkroom. I had no wonderful cultures or anything to inspire me. So I'd put it away and it only really came out again with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think initially just like every mother taking, you know, the birthdays and the blowing out the candles and the child when they fell in the mud and, you know, all those standard stuff. But it wasn't till the decision with the education that it really came into its own. You pick up the camera then more, more seriously. What do you start doing with the photos? You know, when you first start shooting the kids at home, living day-to-day life, where do these photos go? Well, I needed to take these photos. I needed to know, in the first instance, I needed to know that they were doing stuff, that they were actually learning stuff. Because, you know, when you let your kids go free, at the end of the day, you're constantly doubting, uh, what are we doing and are they actually learning anything? And I would start taking photos of just the things they made and the things that we did and, you know, things they found on the beach and things that would prove to me and I guess others at the time that they were learning things. But it was a bit of a journey because those images – well, they got quite, not boring, but they sort of stopped inspiring me. They didn't seem to be, they didn't seem to tell a real story of what it was that we actually did during the day. It was just a thing or, you know, and then I started really looking into how am I going to tell this story of who we really are and what these kids really do and, you know, not just what do they see and what do they find. Who are you going to tell this story for? Who was it for? That's a really good question. Well, I started a blog in the initial stages, that was because I wanted to prove to everyone, <laughs> everyone being family and everyone who was asking questions. But really, if I looked at it, it was probably more to prove to me. So I guess it was for me. And then as they evolved, I realized the story that was being told. And then it very much became for them, for the kids, very much. And that's exactly how it remains now, the story. For the kids. For the kids, absolutely. Even if initially they were, they were for me, they are now now that I think I'm telling this story a little truer to what I believe it is, I mean, they're told through me, of course, but, but ultimately they're, they're for them. They're their story, their pictures. They are now and they will always be their pictures. But surely you're the photographer, so you're choosing what goes in, what goes out. You're choosing oh, yeah. how the image is captured. Well, it's been such a journey. That's the interesting thing that's come about. So while I say they're for them, I also have to realise that photography is such a subjective thing. It just is. You can't – because – the way I shoot it is the way I see it. But in saying that, that's the nice thing about them is that while I might not be in the photos, I very much am in all the photos for them. So, you know, they get a part of me, I guess. So you're right. And it's been a really interesting process realizing the subjective nature of what I take, that it is the way I see it. But I'm there, you know, 24 seven with them. So Of course. What kind of response did you get from family, like close family and close friends when you started blogging? You know, I don't even know if they even looked. Oh, really? <laughs> Isn't that who you were doing it for? Yeah, but like I say, I think the realisation that actually it was probably more for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I think it's just time that has helped both us and everyone else realise that we're okay. The kids are okay. We're okay. And it's just been that process that nobody could really speed up no matter how many photos I showed. Yeah, it's evolved. Now I know it's their story, not trying to prove anything to anyone anymore. But things have changed a lot. And I want to get more into those changes in a second. But why black and white for you? Or do you shoot colour as well and just don't show it? Do I shoot colour? Do you know, I've, I think I've made my peace with that, with everybody, well, not everybody, I should say, with 
that doubt, you know, I should be shooting it in colour, life is in colour and all those things are at the back of your head. But By who? Why are they in the back of your head? Well, I guess they come from all around the place. Um, comments from others. I mean, my, one of the things, my kids have all have blue eyes. Wow. That must be hard not to have a colour shot. I know. There are a couple floating around, but less and less. I, I've made my peace with it. I think it's okay. The story's just as rich and just as deep told in black and white. And if that's what I'm trying to capture, then it's okay. Okay. So I guess my question is then, are you being careful about what you curate and share and making sure that stays true to this, this black and white vision? Uh, okay. I need to be really honest here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't edit in colour. I honestly don't. There is the odd one floating around. For you, like for you and your family or online? There probably is a few online. I don't know where they are. I've, all the blog ones started in colour. I don't even know if that blog still exists. But most everything, there's the odd one that comes up in colour. But it has to speak to you. I mean, you, you, it'll speak to me in colour. It'll just say there's just no way. There's no way this can be black and white. But it's few and far between. Okay, did the kids ever ask you, why are these in black and white, Mum? I think they've had it for so long in black and white. They don't think to ask. They really don't ask a lot about I mean, it is what it is for them. I love it. I love how kids are. They just live with what it is. They question, yes, but day to day, they just want to get on with their business. <laughs> and they're not really even. I have albums and stuff with them, but they don't really spend much time on them. Not yet. They're not really. No. And it's not for now. It's for later. They're not interested in what happened yesterday or even what happened five minutes ago. They just want to deal with what's going on now. So do they ask for colour? Yeah. I don't know. They don't often see me edit. Sometimes they'll be... No, I have to say no, really. They just get what they get. They just get what they get. <laughs> nice. How much of your photography and what you want to capture and share dictates what happens during the day? Oh, as in, do I say let's go here because I think it'll be a good photo type? Yes. I think that would be impossible not to do that as a photographer. You want these great shots. You've got an audience now and they want to see lovely work. And as hard as that would be to keep out of your head, surely that must play... A factor. Do you know, I actually just spoke to this at the conference re- just on Sunday. And it was really interesting while I was writing this talk that I gave, just realizing what's unfolded and what's happened, especially with everything that's just happened with the whole viral type thing that was going on. And, you know, I got locked into the whole Facebook, like I think a lot of people do. And it's amazing when people like your photos and they give you comments and it's really quite incredible. And then everything goes viral and it seems like all these people are so interested in there, all these likes and all these page things. And ah, it just made me really have a look. It just made me really think. I mean, it went went so crazy. I would actually hibernate. I just didn't even turn the computer on because I just couldn't. Yeah, it was just crazy. There was just so much coming in inboxes and messages and everything. And I hibernated. It really made me think. And when I hibernated, we would just go adventuring. Like we often, we would just take off. We've got rivers and beaches. We're really lucky with where we live. And we just go adventuring always to places we've never been to. And I love it because the kids just do their thing. They just go and they play imaginary games and they just kind of like own the land. They just do stuff. And they taught me a lot over that time. And there was this one time that my two youngest, my my Three of my kids were playing a game and there was a prince and a princess and there was a princess. Oh, this is really long-winded, sorry. But there was a princess and she had all these jewels and the game went on that there was some robbers that took them off and then there was a sword fight and there was all these crazy things that go on and, and it was really in-depth and they had to play in the plot and then at the end they erupted into the song and it was this completely make-believe song and I'd never heard it before and it was – and it made me think, I was like, these guys always do this. They're always – 
intensely planning all this games and and then they'll just like just at a click the game will go and they'll throw it all away and they'll start another game or another song and never never do they stop and think shit if we throw all this away how are we ever going to come up with another game or how are we ever going to come up with another song or you know they just don't they don't care if they can't come up with anything else they don't even care if anyone takes any notice of them and they don't care if anyone likes their song they don't care if anyone likes their game and and when I came back to the computer and Facebook and stuff, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if anyone really does give a crap. You know what people like? And they say they like your photos and, you know, maybe maybe it'll spark something in them or, you know, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, nobody really gives a crap. They just move on to the next Facebook or to whatever else they've got going on their day. And it really opened my head up to, wow, if nobody gives a crap, then I don't really need to worry about anything and it made me think a lot about my photos and what I really like and whether I am pandering pandering or whether I am thinking about you know what's worked and what do people like or whether I really am being true to who I am this is a really long-winded answer and I've completely forgotten the question no it's good what's the answer like do you pander to what your audience wants less and maybe I maybe I did in a way but if I did I'm certainly doing it less now it just made me really think about who I am and what I'm, I'm attracted to some really kind of quite dark things. And I have explored, you know, like childhood isn't all amazing. It isn't all roses and wonderful mudslides and things. <laughs> some of it is, but not all of it. And it's those little quiet moments and those serious moments and the tears and, you know, like childhood can be lonely and it can be really confusing to try and understand this adult world when they're just a child and they don't have the capabilities for that. And kids are really weird. They do really kind of quite disturbing things sometimes and I'm rather hoping it I'm not alone with this <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering for the next bit <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that stuff so yeah some of my photos that I take that I just find really weird and there's just something about them you know putting a few more of them out there rather than saying oh that's really weird I'll just keep that to myself you know just the ones that have only got part things in it or, or that are just strange or that just ask questions. You know, there's images you see when you're like, wow, that I don't know why I like that, but I really do. Or that then it's not giving you the whole answer to a story or the whole story. It's just giving you part and you, you linger with it because there's things that just make you ask questions. I don't know if this sounds all gobbledygook, but. No, well, I'm curious. So if that's the case, like if you like it and you're not sure why, will you show it? Will you put it out there? More, more. Pardon? More. But I, to be honest, I've shied away when you say out there. I've kind of, I started, when I started Facebook, I started a challenge to myself to put something out every day. And it was brilliant. It was great for me to push myself to have to look more and do something different and things like that. It was great for that. I didn't shoot every day, but I put something out on Facebook every day. And I've just sort of backed off that a little bit. The Facebook world disillusions me a little bit. I'm really not too sure where I sit with all of it. So I probably don't put it as much out there, but it's not because I don't like the pictures I put out. It's probably more just Facebook in general. Let me ask you then, maybe at its most basic level, if you put a photo out there on Instagram or Facebook yeah, and it doesn't get many likes, which doesn't happen to lots of you at the moment, but it doesn't get many likes or doesn't get many comments, does that affect you at all? Well, it's kind of strange at the moment because it doesn't happen for whatever I can't comment okay, let me give you a hypothetical let's say you posted something today that you loved it was dark it was a bit weird and it just didn't get the response that you used to 
Well, of course, I mean, anything, if I presented a picture and, and everybody in a, a room went, Ugh, really, then of course that's going to affect me a little bit. But I, way less, way less than I think quite a few months ago. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I really think that my journey's gone such that it's moved forward. Forward? It's moved in some way. I don't know whether I'd say forward, but it's moved in such a way that I'm really happy to explore different things for me. Yeah. I guess it's become more about other things other than Facebook. I'm not immune to it. I mean, I'm still posting. So clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to me, it looks like your photography, what you're putting out there hasn't changed, which I love. Yeah. I think that's great. You're staying true to what you were doing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I guess with everything that's kind of happened recently, I'm sure everyone who's experienced this knows has the same thing, but there was a lot of crap that came in. There was a lot of really nasty. What kind of crap? Like what? There's a lot of people asking questions, I guess, you know, what your lifestyle, your kids are clearly not going to gain or be able to operate in society and, you know, all those things, which you don't necessarily need to take a lot of notice of. I've also been banned from Facebook several times. By Facebook? Well, I gather it's from somebody complaining that Facebook has to follow up on. And it just is annoying. It's just annoying and you just feel a little less sort of, the whole thing feels a little less welcoming or that you're necessarily terribly inspired to put out there a whole pile of stuff when there's a risk of all the crap coming in. So I'm keeping a lot more for myself than I have in the past, whereas where I'd always be so keen to just put it out there, I, there's a lot more I'm keeping just for myself. And that feels good. It feels good to do that. Cool. Your husband, it's Rob, isn't it? It is. Am I writing saying that he's in finance? <laughs> He works for a bank, yeah. He works, he hits the rural sector for the bank. But if you met Rob, you would know that he is anything but somebody who works for the financial sector. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's got some kind of financial background or history. Well, actually, no. He's actually got a very rural history working with farms and things. What's he like with numbers? Well, he's good now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you know the answer to this, but I'm curious to know when Rob saw all these things happening on Facebook and Instagram and all this excitement around your photography, was he thinking dollars and cents? No, actually, to be honest, he was more thinking of me. <laughs> he honestly was. He's so cool. He would get up because a lot of the stuff that was coming in in the inbox would often come in in the middle of the night for us if it came from the other hemisphere. And he would actually, if he was up, he would check the inbox and delete a lot of it, which was really sweet. So no, he was more thinking of me at that time. Okay. What about now? I mean, look, I guess I'm taking the assumption that he has got that banking background or that numbers background. He must be thinking, wow, there's got to be a way to cash in on all this popularity. Yeah, yes and no. Like I said, he works for the bank, yes, but he's not a dollars man from the onset. So he came in from quite a different background. I'm not saying this in a bad way either, by the way. I know you're not, and I guess I'm just being a bit defensive. Because <laughs> you know what it's like? I don't know if you know Gabe McClintock. Oh, my goodness, who doesn't? <laughs> it's weird. I don't personally, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you know Gabe's story, but he basically shot that wedding in Iceland a few years mm -hmm. ago and was yep. discovered, and things went nuts. Yep. And they have been ever since. Like, he's the first to admit he's been able to make a lot better living out of photography as a result of being discovered. Right. To me, that seems like the trajectory you could be on. Yeah, it's an interesting place to be in and certainly there's been inquiries from people and I'm trying to work my way through some of that to try and figure out. Again, it's another journey trying to, I mean, yeah, to start with, yeah, yeah, I'll do that interview or this interview and just to take a step back and really look at what is it that we want. 
and not just about, you know, whether there's an income, but for the photos, because they're very personal for me and they involve our four children. So to take that step back and think, what is it that we really want from this? And of course, it would be fantastic to have some financial income from this, especially if it feeds right back into our family, which, which it will, if it comes about. But it's different, I guess, for me, maybe because it's not so much, I'm not a wedding photographer to go out and get more bookings or anything like that. It's very much a, maybe that kind of edge into the art world from a fine art perspective or something like that, which is different. And it's a world that I don't, I don't know very well. So I'm just trying to feel my way in there. I don't know. There are options. I don't know which pathway to take. You shot your first wedding recently, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. When I say I'm not a wedding, I have done four weddings this year. Four? Which is, yeah, I have. Two were unpaid for good friends and they were amazing. It's a whole other world, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's a whole other thing. And do I love them? Hmm. Wow, they're huge. Yeah, it's interesting whether I follow. I mean, I've got four kids at home. It's not that easy to just to have all that work done every night after they go to bed and stuff. So, How did you approach the weddings or how did the clients and your friends ask you to approach the wedding photography? So interesting because I said to them, why? Why would you even come to me? I have nothing up on a website that would even vaguely indicate that I would shoot a wedding or ever have. And the first, the first people just said, we just love your work. We just want your work. And I said, well, <laughs> you're gonna, gonna get what you're going to get and it's going to be a complete experiment. And they were completely open to that. And it was really cool. Like I felt the pressure, but I just did what I knew to do the way I knew to do it. And they loved it. So that was quite nice. <laughs> what was the result? Was it all black and white? Was it all documentary? Like how did you approach it? It was all documentary. And these guys were completely on board with that. We did do some bridal portraits, which I <laughs> fumbled my way through. But fortunately, they basically gave that to me. So that was really nice. And the rest of it was completely documentary. And was it all black and white? I actually gave them some color, but 70% of it was black and white. Yep. And I said that from the onset. I said, this is what I do. And they were fine with that. So that's cool. <laughs> Are you going to shoot more? <laughs> I don't know. I just did one a couple of weekends ago, actually. I and mean, that was that was fun. Will I shoot more? I don't know. I guess if they present. And if I can really say this is the way it is, then maybe. Yep. Cool. When I was asking you earlier about the possible financial gains or the opportunities that might open up as a result of everything that's been happening to you, one of the first things that I guess I would think about would be workshops and teaching and presenting. Yeah. Yep. What do you think about that? I've been approached by a company, uh, Illuminate, and they I'm actually doing an online course, which I don't know when, at some time, um, somewhere between August and November, I think, when I'll run that one, which is a good option for me because I can do that from home. So that's one thing. Workshops, I don't know. It's interesting. I would love to put out a book. I think that would be a really nice... Of your photography? Of my photography, sorry, yeah. That would be a really good way that I think the images would be represented in the way that I think they should be. I'm a huge, huge photo book fan. I've got, that's where my money goes if I save it or birthday requests will go into photography books from other artists. And I've it sort of feels a bit weird that I love and will put money into that 
but I haven't even looked at that for my stuff. So that would be one avenue that I would love to follow. In-person workshops, I don't know. I've just done my first public speaking. And that's crazy. It was a good experience? Well, I was that child in high school was sick on the day that we had to give speeches. So it's probably not something I jumped at. And I did it because I wanted to challenge myself to do something like would be great to have shown the kids that I'm doing something that was really inside my comfort zone. Well, standing up on stage and speaking in front of people about my journey, which was quite personal, was a very interesting experience, I guess. It was standing up and talking to someone is, was quite nerve-wracking, but just the speaking about me and stuff that was, you know, reasonably personal and about my journey and stuff, that was quite quite an interesting experience. I think what I stepped away from that with was that people connected to it and my story and my photos and that was quite enlightening for me because I've only really had it through Facebook which is fine I mean that's real people commenting but when you have face-to-face contact with people who are saying this is what I got from your talk and this has inspired me to take more pictures of my children or to do things slightly differently at home I mean that was a huge takeaway from me that what I had to say Firstly, that people actually wanted to listen to it. And secondly, that it actually sparked something. And then was, oh, it's pretty huge, actually. Yeah. So it was a good experience. It was a good experience afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) It was. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. You mentioned photo books a little while ago. Mm -hmm. Where do you find your photo books? Uh, I love secondhand books. And... I seek secondhand books over brand new books every time. So there is a website that I actually use that sells secondhand books and that's where I go first to try. What is it? What is it? (laughs) Oh, you know, Better World Books. Okay. Have you heard that one? No. They don't have every book, of course, because it's secondhand, but sometimes you pick up. I buy all my kids, my kids drink books. They just cannot get enough books. I buy their storybooks from that. And I just love that they're secondhand because a lot of the books of artists that I love to look at are old ones, you know, the Walker Evans and Frank and, you know, and so you can find those ones. What did I just, oh, I just got Ralph Eugene Meatyard. Have you heard of him? No. Yeah, I just bought one of his books and it's pretty cool. And you get these books and they've got library stamps on them from the Chicago City Library. I mean, wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's really <laughs> exciting when I get them and I can tell the kids, this book came from this part of America or wherever it's come from, and that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. So where does your inspiration come from? Where is it from these books? My inspiration comes from – there was a, a really cool photographer, friend of mine, who talks about inspiration being what you breathe in and that your work is what you breathe out and that the, if what you breathe in is, is awesome – then, of course, what you breathe out will be at least a percentage of that. So I took that quite to heart. And, yeah, I love books from older photographers, definitely. But I've also just learned to love all art, like painters. Oh, man, what have I discovered? Veneer is one of my recent discoveries. Just painting is just incredible. Bruegel, there's so many painters that I love. So it comes from that. I'm a huge movie buff. Uh, I love quirky movies, character movies. And some of it come, is drawn from that. But, yeah, I love the Magnum photographers and the documentary photographers. Yeah, I'm moved by so many. Darcy Padilla is a book that I'm trying to save up money for. Her project, her long-term project, the Julie project is what she called it. She followed a young mum 
through her life until she died. She had AIDS and her story, her pictures are so powerful, so powerful. And yeah, I'm drawn into that. I'm drawn into that story. So can you see yourself moving away? I mean, not not away, but shooting other things apart from your kids, you know, taking your photography further and documenting stories like that? I would love to. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. But right now, that's what I've got as my kids. So that's my story. But you know, I hope that I can keep my eyes open to anything should it present itself. But right now, my 24-7 is my kids, so that's where it's at, yeah. But they're going to grow up. They're going to get older. I mean, already my 12-year-old thinks he can run the house. He probably can, actually. So. <laughs> Look, I want to ask you a little bit more about the kids and the influence you're having on them now and the way things have changed. But I want to say a quick thank you to my sponsor, which is the Image Salon, for bringing this episode and you to the show today. They are image editors based in Canada, and they will take your photography and edit it the way you want it to be edited. I don't know, Nikki, do you outsource anything? No. It sounds wonderful, though. <laughs> <laughs> what if you were to start shooting weddings and still wanted time with the kids? Would you consider outsourcing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I guess it sounds like one of these companies could, if you had that relationship where they knew how you edited, for sure. Well, that's really cool that you bring that up because the image salon, they'll actually assign you one editor only and you work with that person. So it could be Ben and... Every time you submit a job, it'll be to Ben and Ben will do the editing for you. So any feedback you give him, he'll put that work and that feedback into the next job and the existing job that he's got. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. How much do you reckon it would cost to edit a job? I wouldn't have a clue. I'm going way out on a limb even asking you this. Cause... <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. All I know is the hours it takes me. Well, actually, that's not even totally true. For the weddings I've done, man, there's a lot of work in those things. There's so many. But when I take pictures of my kids, I, I know exactly what I'm doing and what's going to work. So not so much there. But I don't even know. But surely somebody who would take all those <laughs> hours away would be like gold. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you about your editing in just a second. But I know that if you do send your jobs off to the Image Salon, you can pay as little as 33 cents an image for editing. That's the basic retouching. All the way up to $3.25 per image for the best plus package. Wow. If you go for the best plus, they'll do things like stray hair removal, liquefy, teeth white skin retouching, image cleanup. They do pretty much everything you could possibly do to an image if you want it. But you don't have to start there. You can start at 33 cents. They'll also do your culling for you. So if you shoot a shitload of photos at a wedding, they will do your culling for you. Ends up. (laughs) And I'm guessing you shoot raw, but these guys will process raw and JPEG files as well. So very, very cool. Big thanks again to the Image Salon for sponsoring the show. If you want to check them out, theimagesalon.com. Do you shoot raw or JPEG? I shoot raw, but if I was going to be really honest, I don't really know why. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm not very technically savvy. (laughs) Well, I shoot JPEG. (laughs) Maybe I should play around with it. (laughs) Actually, before we started recording, you told me that you have a a pretty shitty old camera and nothing fancy as far as gear. Oh, actually, it's not a shitty old camera. That's quite not right. It's a very good camera. (laughs) It's in pretty shabby condition because it gets hammered. I only have one. What are you shooting with? It's a Canon, well, see, this is embarrassing now. It's a Canon Mark III, so 5D Mark III. It's a good camera with a good lens on it. It just is hammered, and I've, <laughs> this sounds really sad, I actually have got duct tape and PVA on many, many parts, um, some of which I've never been able to recover. I don't know where they've gone. <laughs> it, it's, it, just, it just gets hammered, the poor thing. <laughs> you don't baby it at all. It'll get wet, it'll get dirty. No, yeah. Yeah, and it's been both over and over. <laughs> What's your go-to lens? Well, I have... Up until really recently, I had a 35 
which was awesome. It was just really loud, but that didn't really matter because my kids are loud. They would never have heard it anyway. (laughs) And it was cool. I I loved it. But just recently, I managed to find a secondhand 35 1.4, which is big, but it's cool. It's cool too. A Canon or a Sigma? Canon. And it also has bits falling off. I don't quite know. (laughs) You know the bit with the autofocus and manual focus thing? That thing has all kind of fallen off. (laughs) The rubber bit, the ring. No, no, the bit where you can do the switch. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The switch has kind of fallen off. That's all right. <laughs> as long as it works. It's totally. <laughs> yeah. The old PVA comes out, not just for my kids' projects. <laughs> so you know what, what I'm interested to hear about is your time in front of screens must have increased significantly. <laughs> yep. And you, even then you told me a little while ago that you're discovering, you know, online at uh, Better World Books, looking for new books, you're discovering, you love movies. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you have a lot of screen time, yet your kids... <laughs> <laughs> are getting brought up with no screens. How does that work? Oh, yeah, I love this one. Right, well. Oh, you're not going to give me some canned answer, are you? No. No, I don't have a canned answer, actually. We don't have a TV, so that's straight up. We just, one doesn't happen. Well, the kids, I mean, we don't, I mean, we don't keep them in a cupboard. They know what computers are. They know what TVs are. And, in fact, they're allowed movies too. We have a thing in our house. They're allowed to watch movies if they have a vomiting bug. <laughs> Or if it's their birthday. (laughs) Awesome. I hope I get sick. Yeah, I know. It sounds really sad, but it's really nice because it is an awesome distraction. (laughs) Or some other celebrations. They're not devoid of seeing movies. They have, of course, seen movies. But if I watch them, it'll be after they've gone to bed. And, you know, it's not the big evil for them. I mean, they go to friends' houses and they've seen them. They know that it exists. It's just that we don't. We just choose not to make it a part of our everyday life. And... They also know that, you know, we have a computer and they know that that's my work and, you know, they know how it gets used. And actually my 12-year-old now has had access to the computer. He plays violin, so he needs to look up music to play to get the tunes or whatever he needs to do. So, you know, it's coming and they'll get more and more access to it. But they don't ask. They're not pining or missing out. They don't ask. And if they ask, then, yeah, of course, we'll assess that and, if there's a need or we see that they can gain from using the computer, then, but it hasn't, it hasn't happened. They haven't asked. Sure. You must be spending a lot more time on the computer than you ever were. Oh yeah. <laughs> Does that cut into your time with Rob then? Yes. <laughs> answer. But he has a job that requires work too. So as sad as that might sound, at least we're doing it together. <laughs> <laughs> side by side in bed on your laptop. Something like that. Well, I, I don't have a laptop. We only have a really old, old big system so we sit out in the living room doing that but yeah yeah it does but as does a lot of people's jobs require the work from them as well because I choose to do it a little bit here and there during the day but largely I choose to do mine at night is photography a job for you I'm not quite sure is it a Um, a hobby that you love yeah that was the other thing the really nice thing to come out of all the social media stuff that kind of went nuts is that while I realized that, you know, that whole nobody gives a crap and that freedom that that gave me, I also realized that not giving too much of a crap about what other people think because knowing that they don't give a crap, excuse my language, but was the realization that with all of that removed, I'm still in the same spot. I still have just as much drive and passion to visually record the story and to create the pictures just as much. So... Yeah, it's that first, definitely. Is there a drive to make an income from your photography? I want to say yes, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> well, does it scare you that it might go that way? A little bit. A little bit. What, what are you scared of? Well, I don't want it to change from what it is. And I don't know that it will if it ever comes about that there's an income from it. I guess it's that the fear of the unknown. I desperately don't want it to change. <laughs> yeah. I imagine if you advertise tomorrow that you're going to start shooting day-in-the-life shoots, I'll come to your family, spend 24 or 12 hours with you and document your day, you will be sold out immediately. Wow. Don't you think? Have you thought about that? Well, funny enough, I actually do have a business website that was set up maybe two years ago now with that in mind, and it never went anywhere. <laughs> like everybody was saying, oh, that's such a great idea, but we don't want to do it. <laughs> or, yeah, I like your pictures of your kids, but we don't want to pay for it, <laughs> you know? So it's funny that you would bring that up. Would I go back and have another go? Um, I feel like I've really been pulled from my kids enough with the time that I'm spending on the computer now. So in the short term, no. I would love for there to be another way, maybe, for money if, if that was what I needed and that's what I felt was a good path for my images, having done the weddings and just knowing the work that's involved. So on one hand, I feel like I'm drawn from my kids enough, but on the other hand, I would love, love, love to go out and shoot families the way that I shoot mine. Obviously, it wouldn't be quite the same. There's not quite that deep connection. But to be able to give that to someone, to know that what the photos have done, what the photos have given us as a family with the story, to be able to give that to someone else, well, yeah, definitely. That is a huge thing within me. And I've done several just for friends and for family, knowing that. But the money side of it is different for me, at least now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Is that other website still active, still live? It won't be for long. It's actually, I'm actually going to pull it just for a little bit. It's old and it's stagnant and I don't know if it's truly reflective of who I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll see what happens with that. But right now, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to have to partner with a uh, an image editing service or a company when you start making money. <laughs> you think. Um, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> I have to say though, I don't know, I shouldn't really even say this, but the whole, I don't retouch or alter anything ever. And you can probably pick that up. I, For me, it has to be true. It has to be true as I see it, as it is, as it exists. So, but maybe the first part of the editing, yeah. Yeah. Well, how cheap would that be for you <laughs> if there's no retouching? Yeah. Well, 33 cents an image. There you go. <laughs> Nikki, this honestly has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, you know, it's been a fight to get this one recorded and to get you on the show. I'm so glad we got to make it happen. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. That was actually okay. Thank you. (laughs) I was really nervous, but it wasn't that hard. So thank you for making that easy. (laughs) Before I do let you go, what were you nervous about? Me and words are, uh, we don't get on so well all the time. I find words are my challenge. I guess that's why I photograph. I like to speak through pictures. It's what I relate to. So it's hard to write. I struggle to write and they don't come easily to me. So yeah, it was the words part of it. You did amazingly well. And I know that the listeners are going to absolutely love hearing from you. And you. it was a real pleasure. And before I do let you go, I've got to say thanks one more time for the Image Salon for sponsoring the show because they are awesome. You do that. <laughs> What's next for you? What's happening in the next couple of weeks? Uh, it's winter here. I've got a few online courses. And I've got quite a bit of works making me in words again. We're going to have to get together and try and do something with PDFs and things for that. So I've got that to work on. Yeah. 
It's just been with my kids. I haven't been totally 100% with them for a little while, so I'm really looking forward to just being with them. Nice. I'm going to go and let you enjoy the afternoon with them and hopefully get some more photos at the same time. Thank you. Thanks again, Nikki. Thank you. You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotoBizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to photobizx.com.